because it's not like I don't have days where I don't struggle and I don't, I still have days where, you know, I pick something out from last year to wear and it's not fitting. I'm not going to pretend those aren't struggles for me because they are. However, right now with everything that I am working through, addressing that has to be more important to me than the size of my jeans or the number on the scale. And it's hard when this is what you do for a living. I'm telling other people how to live and I know that they see me and maybe I look different than how they would expect a health expert to look. Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing podcast where we empower the women who are supporting their families. Our goal is to educate on real food, raising little ones and becoming our best selves. everyone. I'm Michelle Taggy. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. I have a master's in data and analytics, and I've been in the wellness space for over 10 years now. I'm a mom to a toddler and an infant, Connor and Ashlyn. And today I am talking to Tori Collada. What a cool last name. Tori is a functional nutritional therapy practitioner in Fort Worth, Texas. She teaches women how to nourish their body through food and supplementation while also focusing on addressing the root cause of symptoms holistically. Tori uses simple, applicable action steps that build into sustainable habits that create real lifelong changes in your health. While on her own healing journey from chronic illness, Tori shares her faith with her clients and on social media in regards to body image and to help women change how they view themselves. Hi, Tori. Hey, Michelle. So excited to have you here. Yeah. So Tori and I met in school, in uh, nutritional therapy school, so I am so excited to be able to chat again. Yeah, I know. It's been a minute, but... Yeah. <laughs> So can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and how you found your way to nutrition? Yeah. Um, so I studied nutrition and kinesiology in college. I went to TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. Just kind of the whole time I was applying what I was learning and I was working in internships in the DFW area and working in gyms. And I was seeing my health decline while I was coaching other people on their health, which I just felt like was super (laughs) counterintuitive, right? I'm doing the same thing that I tell other people to do. And I was struggling and I felt bad and I wasn't sleeping. And I started having all of these digestive issues that um, no doctor could explain. Like for a year, I was having blood in my stool and didn't have solid stool for a very long time um, and was constantly getting sick. And every time I went to the doctor or I went to the on-campus health center, I was just given a pack and told it was the stomach flu, which that doesn't even really make sense to me. Um, And just kind of like written off as it'll get better, it'll get better. And it never really did. And so even though those symptoms kind of like petered out eventually, I was still struggling with um, just weight gain. That was like inexplicable. I worked out. I ate healthy. 
there was no reason um, that I could see or that anyone around me could see for why I was just continuing to gain weight. Um, I was having still terrible digestion. I had hormone swings, um, really painful periods, and what just all around was having so many symptoms that I really had never experienced. And so it kind of led me into functional medicine. I found a functional medicine doctor um, and I just had bad experiences with the conventional doctors before. So I started looking for a functional medicine doctor. I started seeing a nervous system based chiropractor um, and being in that holistic world I started to see and understand why these things had failed me. The conventional world had failed me. And that's not to knock doctors. I don't think that they're bad or that they intended to fail me. It was just not meeting what my body needed. And so going into that holistic mindset really opened my eyes to what health truly was. It was not about um, only acute illnesses. It was about a complete lifestyle. and so. Just through that and through networking and working in more of a holistic sense, I found nutritional therapy. Um, And then after I graduated college, I went into the Nutritional Therapy Association. And um, after we finished in February, I started my own practice and here I am. That's kind of the short version. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. And that'll lead into a lot of what we're talking about today. I have a similar story with uh, really how I found found my way to this was through health problems too. And it's just like our medical system is not a well, like a well care system. It's like a sick care system. So if you're not diagnosed with a disease and you don't feel well, it's like, sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. (laughs) Well, I'm even so I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism. Uh, gosh, 2016, I think it was either 15 or 16. But th- their only solution was that I was going to be on thyroid medicine forever. Like that was that was my doctor's solution. Was yeah, you're just going to need it forever. And I even asked, like, is there lifestyle things? Is there diet things? Is there this? Is there this? And she was like, nope, you just you just got to do it. And I was like, I don't. I'm, I'm not accepting this. This is there. That can't be the only way, you know? Um, Good of you to ask. Cause I, my, my health problem started like, this is crazy, but 22 years ago. And I was never asked about what I was eating, never asked about any of that, you know, like, am I moving? How am I, how am I living my life? And I didn't think to ask at the time. It kind of took like years of medication and then digging myself out of that. But yeah. I mean, it obviously is worth all the work, but I wish I didn't have to be sick as long as I was. (laughs) Right. And I think that this is like maybe a tangent already, but I think that I think most people just don't know that you can ask questions to your doctor, that you can advocate for yourself. Um, You can get second opinions. You can seek out other opportunities and you can ask for like ask your doctor for alternative solutions besides a medication if you don't want to be on one Um, like your doctor works for you. You don't work for your doctor. Like you are hiring your doctor, whether it's through insurance or not. No, I love that. Cause it's the same with like blood work where you say you want some blood work and they're like, no, you don't need that. And it's like, really? But (laughs) like, you should be able to get the tests that you want for your own health. And if your doctor isn't listening to those things, 
it's, you know, I'm not going to tell you this, but it might be time to look at seeing somebody else. So, well, yeah, I'm like super excited to jump into body image stuff. Like I want to talk about the, this thing you hit on in your intro, like your health was declining as you were in this gym environment. And I assume seeking health. Mm -hmm. So what do you think made that difference? Like how is seeking health different now than it was then? Yeah. Um, so when I was working in the gym environment and I was, I was still in school while I was doing this. So I was studying kinesiology, I was studying nutrition and then getting to apply it after class in real time and see how people were processing it, what was working, what didn't. And I was absolutely one of the people, the only people in class bringing up, Hey, I don't see this actually happening. I don't see this, um, this diet working for someone who trains for marathons or someone who is looking to lift heavier. That's not going to work, but that's what we're learning in this nutrition class. And so I, I feel like in school I was asking these questions and not really getting a response. So I was kind of already suspicious then. And then I saw my own health just kind of go. And I, at that time, looking back, I know I was pursuing aesthetics and pursuing what people thought of me and not necessarily what was actually necessary for my body to function. So for a long time, and it it kills me to say this because now I'm like, I just kind of want to like slap myself and be like, why did you do this? I, for a long time, I was really low carb, really low carb. And like, low carb as in like 20 to 30 grams max a day, um, which is insanely low for anyone listening to this. That's you should, that should literally be like 20 to 30 grams in a meal. Um, and it was this program we were doing in the gym. I was working under like the head coaches of the gym and helping them run this weight loss program. It was a springtime type of program, getting ready for summer and working with clients. And so I had to do it too, just so I could test it and explain to clients what it would feel like. And I literally remember feeling like the first week, like garbage and like having mental fog and all of these things and not being able to focus and feeling really tired and so many symptoms that are like indicative of I'm not eating enough carbohydrates. And my boss was like, that's normal. Everything's normal. It's going to be fine. It'll, it'll get, it'll get better. You know, just give it a a little bit of time. And it did get better. What I didn't know behind the scenes was that my cortisol was spiking to compensate for that, to keep my blood sugar high throughout the day, to go to class, to work out, to go coach at the gym for two hours a day, to do all the things that I was doing to stay up late, to study for tests. Um, Like I was a busy, busy college person. And it got to the point when we started the program with, with um, members at the gym and the first week they were like, this is really hard. This is really hard. And I remember being like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I feel so guilty now. Like thinking back, I'm like, I wish I knew. And I wish I had paid attention to that and like known that was a sign of something not being right and not just letting it get to the point where my body had to make the necessary physiological responses to not eating enough carbohydrates. 
Um, and that was really like when things started to go bad for me too. That was only a couple of months before I started having all of the digestive issues and all of the things I was having. So back then I really was just pursuing, um, aesthetics and what people thought of me. And I, I did lose weight and people complimented me and I loved that. And I thrived on that. And now going through the scenarios and the chronic illness and the diagnoses and switching into more a functional medicine approach. Now it's like, man, I next to never. And I, I will say this, I'm not saying I'm perfect at this at all, but so much different relationship with my body. Now I next to never consider how I'm going to look when I approach a health regimen or protocol. It literally is the last thing that matters because what I'm doing now, I have to eat more now than I've ever eaten more frequently, more carbohydrates, more everything to retrain my body, how to nourish itself because I tanked my digestion and can't absorb things. And I, I quite literally diagnosed or dieted myself rather into chronic illness. Um, and like knowing what I know now, like what I look like literally doesn't matter because I was at the point where I couldn't get out of bed because I was so tired, like a 20 something year old just graduated from college and I'm exhausted and I don't know why. Um, and it, it was because I wasn't eating enough. It was because I had a distorted relationship with food and with my body and what health actually is. And health is not our gene size. It's just not. It's, are we functioning? Do we have the energy to like show up as sisters and friends and moms and everything else that we're supposed to be showing up as? Like, you can't do that when you're not eating enough. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I like wrote all these notes as you were talking. Just this idea that doing a diet plan, like the um, conventional use of the word diet, is stressful on your body. Uh, especially if it's yeah. cutting calories or cutting carbs or is restrictive um, in a way that doesn't serve you. And so that might, I don't even want to go there, but there might be cases where somebody can do low carb and it serves them well, but they better have everything else dialed. Like their sleep, their, you know, it's like the, the main stressor in their life is the stress that uh, not having carbohydrates is putting on them, and then maybe your body can handle it. But yes. I think it's not sold that way. It's sold like you're weak if you can't do this on top of everything else. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think it took me. Gosh, I, I say this frequently. I've dieted since I was like 11 years old. I'm 26 now, and that's the majority of my life. I remember caring about what I ate, whether it was a specific diet or not, it was that mentality. I just, that relationship with what diet is and that it was the end all be all and that the willpower, the lack, lack of willpower because you fail at a diet is not a thing. When we, when we diet, we're constantly, we're restricting something, whether it's um, keto, you're restricting carbs. If it's low fat, you're restricting fat. If you're doing, um, 
I mean, any diet is restricting something in some way. Carnivore is restricting vegetables. It's just, there's always something to cut out. And it's not for lack of willpower that you're craving the thing that you're cutting out. It's because your body needs it. That's like your physiological response to your body needing that food and that nutrient that it is. Because it's not, we see, look at food and we see calories. And instead we need to look at food and see nutrients. Like that is a beneficial thing for your body to have. And a lot of these programs even are seeking temporary fat loss where it's like, like, you know, that you're going to lose 10 pounds and gain it back, but you keep going back there. Like you're on this cycle. And as soon as you fall off of it, it's your fault that it didn't work. And it's, it's kind of crazy because I used to do the same thing, like maybe not in, in an extreme way, but um, this idea that these diet companies can convince you that if it doesn't work, it's your fault. It's not that it's a bad diet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I mean, let's, so let's think of it too. If that was a, like a human being that you were in a relationship with, that was a friendship or a significant other or whatever, and you messed up somewhere along the way, you made a mistake, which is human nature. Like we're all going to make mistakes. Um, and then that person was like, you failed. You're the worst. Like all the things that like would run through my head when I failed on a diet or I caved on eating the sugar at a party or whatever it was, it was mean things going through my head. And if that were another human being saying that to me, that would like my friends and family would be like, this is an abusive relationship. Like you are actually in an abusive relationship that's not okay to be said but we say it to ourselves all the time no matter what if we fail it's our fault it's our fault we're not we don't have enough willpower we don't have this okay well our body's not made to be restricted in so many ways that we're trying to do it especially on top of all the toxins we're exposed to every single day that's stress we need to have the nutrients in our diet to be able to sustain things to sustain energy, to sustain productivity, to show up in your relationships, to show up in your work. So I just think it's crazy that, and I'm, I'm not saying this from a judgmental space at all, because this was the majority of my life. I was, I was here. It's crazy to think that all of those things are acceptable to say to ourselves when we would never say that to anyone else. And we would never want someone else to say it to us, but it's that negative diet reinforcement that makes you go back and start the diet again. It's crazy. Right. And there's never this recognition that this diet might not work for everybody. It's if it didn't work for you, it's your fault where like that doesn't make any sense really when you think about it. Like my body is going to be so different from your body. And if we both had aesthetic goals, like there, there might be a very different path to getting there. And it might take longer than 30 days or whatever your plan says. Okay, it's always going to take more than 30 days if you're trying to like Mm -hmm. get really healthy and get lasting results and really change your relationship with food and um, yeah, how all of that contributes to how you're eating and how your health is like. I mean, that should be the goal, right? Like, let me let me change my lifestyle so that I can have a healthy body. And yeah. then the um, 
the number on the scale or whatever, the aesthetic goal is kind of the afterthought. Like where, where is your healthy point for your body once you get there? Yeah. And I think too, like, okay, like let's talk about the number on the scale. If you had symptom-free periods and sustaining energy throughout the day, like you didn't feel like you needed to get a second and third cup of coffee in the afternoon to make it through the rest of your work day. And you didn't feel sleep deprived and you didn't feel stressed out or have anxiety or struggle to get out of bed or anything like that. If that is, if you felt like you were firing on all cylinders and you felt amazing and had restful sleep and could wake up and do it again the next day. And that was your forever. You would not care what the number on the scale said at all. But when we start to feel bad, we think, oh, let's diet. Oh, let's fix the number on the scale. When that's, that's just a measure. Like, I'm not saying that we should have hundreds of pounds of excess weight, right? That's its own health risks in the process of that. But when we're idolizing a certain goal and we're willing to sacrifice our body and our relationships and um, our sanity to get to a number that's essentially meaningless. That's, that's a problem like that. And that's where I was at. I was willing to work out twice a day and (laughs) just do all the things. I wouldn't go out. I wouldn't have, um, eat out with my friends because I didn't want to eat bad food. And I just nitpicked every single thing I put in my body. To And like to a number point, not even to a nutrient point. I think there's a difference, right? If you're looking at nutrients and you're like, dang, this is a nutrient-dense meal. I'm going to feel so good after this. That's very different than counting every single gram of fat and carb and protein. Um, yeah. And we did an episode on intuitive eating. And I just kind of want to bring this piece you were saying, like eating to excess is not what we're talking about. Like body positivity does not mean throw away any sort of healthy choices or just give in to every sugar craving you have. But um, there is a way to tune in to like, what are my cravings? Do I actually want to listen? Like you should always listen to your cravings. It just might not be that you want to eat the thing that you're craving. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I think and like, okay, so like, let's talk about sugar. Sugar inherently is not bad. And and I don't think any food necessarily has a moral value. Are there ones that support health? Yes. Are there ones that don't support health? Yes. But there's a time and a place for all of that in, in a healthy diet and a healthy lifestyle. Um, what I think is important, though, is that you realize there's a difference between like the processed refined carbohydrate and, you know, fake icing with food dye on a cupcake and eating a sweet potato with a protein and a fat. Those are not the same thing at all. And I think people get scared of sugar in general and carbs in general, as far as like weight loss, et cetera. And so that like having a nutrient dense carbohydrate on your plate is absolutely necessary. And you don't want to just go eat a a pile of cupcakes and all the cupcakes because you're craving it. No, totally. Because you can 
Like you can listen to your craving about sugar and it might actually mean you need to sleep more or that you need more starch with your meals. It doesn't mean you need the plate of cupcakes. Um, But there's, there's like always, yeah, just like if you tune into your body, there's always information there. And what a lot of these diets do is try to make you tune out rather than tune in. So like, forget everything you're feeling, push through and follow these rules. We're going to make it simple for you. Like, don't even listen to anything that's going on. Um, So that's, I think that's the difference we're talking about. Like tuning in and like learning what you need. Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot of things like around diet that can be really stressful, like having any nutrient deficiency causes a stressed state in the body. So you have low vitamin D or whatever it is, your body's going to be really stressed from that. And there probably are cues in what you're craving to make up for that. It's just, are we, are we listening to the craving and then going for like a quick packaged food item? Or are we introducing healthy foods and giving our body a variety of things that it knows to choose from? And like going there. So it, I guess it's this thing where you can't crave things that aren't available that you're not eating because your body won't really be familiar with them almost. It like <laughs> doesn't know that eggs exist if you're never eating them. So, um, yeah, for sure. I think that and, and tuning into like that's the same thing too. Like that's why NTPs talk about your symptoms are a root of something like getting to the root cause of your symptoms and not just putting a bandaid on it. Um, putting like eating a cupcake is the same thing as putting a bandaid on a symptom. Like you have a headache and so you take Advil to make it go away. You have a sugar craving. So you eat that cupcake to make the craving go away. But does that actually solve the root cause, which is a nutrient deficiency is, is, does that solve the root cause of where that headache is coming from? Not necessarily. Um, so when we're thinking about cravings, it's, that's, that is a symptom. Like your body is communicating to you. And when we just ignore that, we're essentially telling our body, no, we don't have access to that food. And that just creates the sympathetic nerve response and puts us in more of a stressful state. So. Yeah. And just while we're on sugar, so we're not villainizing sugar. Cause like right. you said, it can be part of a healthy meal, but there are a lot of issues with like abusing sugar that can lead to weight loss or weight gain. And when we're talking about sugar, almost um, like bread is kind of the same thing as like eating a spoonful of sugar with how it reacts in your body. It turns to glucose and is used in the same way. So this like heavy dose of carbohydrate, that's quick energy. Um, Sugar can there's like a cycle with sugar and sleep where sugar can make you have worse sleep and having poor sleep actually makes you crave sugar. (laughs) So, uh, that's, that's kind of a thing. But then if your blood sugar dips, like if you have sugar handling problems, it could cause you to eat more throughout the day than you actually need just to get your blood sugar up when you don't really need those calories. So that's a potential issue too with, overconsumption of sugar. Like it just gets you on this. You need to eat like the whole, um, six small meals a day. A lot of times that is because of blood sugar issues. Like you don't have to eat that often if you can handle 
like using the fats and the protein from your meal, it could last you to your next meal. So for sure. Um, so what about avoiding fat? I know you mentioned that earlier and that's a common thing. Like I even just like asked Alexa the other day for like healthy food tips. Cause I was curious what she would say. Like <laughs> she like offered it up and it's like, so when you're making dessert, swap out cream for low fat milk. And it's like, Oh my God. <laughs> So this is like, we're like in this little bubble where we know that that's not real, but um, why don't we touch on that? Yeah. Um, Well, fat, I think there's, there's two things I want to talk about with fat. One is fat in the diet and one is fat on the body. So fat in the diet is absolutely essential because it is in our body. And I'll get to that in a second, but if we're not eating any fat in any meals, first of all, we're probably not going to be satiated because we need, we get calories from fat. Our food is probably super bland and super boring. I'm not going to lie. Fat is delicious. Like it's what makes things taste good. And honestly, in those low fat um, dairy or anything sort of substitute that they're replacing it with sugar because they still want it to taste good. When you remove fat, it removes the flavor. And part of having a full meal experience is having that flavor in there. That fat serves a purpose in that too, in the texture, in everything that all of the senses that go into having that meal. Um, But that fat in the body, fat makes up our hormones. It makes up our cell walls. It makes up um, very many parts of us. Uh, I could literally go on forever, but like our organs need, need certain fats, our Hormone systems, our stress response, our nervous system, like all of those things require different fats. So you have to get that from the diet. It can't be manufactured from other things in the body. It it doesn't work that way. Like you have to absorb it. It can get stored as fat, but you're not going to use that fat, if that makes sense. So you have to have fat in your diet to tell your body that you're meeting your fat needs. Because otherwise we start storing fat in a way to prepare for the next time that we need it. It's not, but it's not going to be used. And then the other thing too, is that the fat is there to protect your body from the stress response that you're experiencing by decreasing that fat. So your body knows it needs fat. It needs fat for hormone production. It needs fat for nerve responses. It needs fat for all of these things. And if you're not meeting that dietary need, it's going to go store it. And then also when we're decreasing fat, we're weakening the immune system. We're weakening everything else because we have an increased stress state. (laughs) And then we start being susceptible to heavy metals, parasites, different things like that, different bugs, different toxins. And all of that starts getting stored in the fat. So it's kind of twofold where if you have exposure to these things, your body will create fat to pull it out of the blood system, to pull it out of circulation. But also if it's there and if you're not processing it, if you're not absorbing it and it's not being used and it's just being stored, you're also making an environment where you're susceptible to catching these things, to get parasites, to get heavy metals. The exposure to your toxins isn't going to be... um, 
it isn't going to be processed. You're not going to be able to digest it and, and get rid of it. And then bile, you need bile. That's coming from healthy fats. You need bile to excrete toxins. That comes from your liver. So there's just all sorts of things that you need for fat. And like cutting it out just doesn't make your body use what you have. It just makes you store more. Yeah, I love that. And I want to speak specifically to like the postpartum period because I hope nobody's doing these restrictive diets when they're breastfeeding or anything like that. But it is a time when there is a lot of pressure to lose weight for a lot of people. And the like you said, for the hormone production, fats are really essential. So don't don't go low fat. There's like a lot of fat soluble vitamins that you need in your milk if you're breastfeeding, but also just like for the for recovering from having a baby, all of that fat is just so important. Absolutely. Um, getting these fat soluble nutrients are really important to be able to have this healthy state. And I think maybe where it came from was this like, there's more calories packed into a gram of fat than protein or carbohydrate. So maybe it's, maybe it came from like a, a worry about overeating, but that's likely not happening if you're eating a balanced meal. If you're, you know, I don't see a lot of people eating just like excess fat. Um, maybe there's things like salad dressings or things like that, but, um, it generally what I'm seeing is sugar is probably more of more of the issue that leads to overeating. Yeah. And I think too, like the excess fat doesn't even come from like animal fats or like, I think when people consume excess fat or like you get kind of a picture of what's happening and yeah, maybe there is excess fat consumption, but that's not from a nutrient dense diet. That's usually from fast food. That's from, um, processed packaged foods and all the things where fat is snuck in to preserve it or to, to add more flavor or or it's trans fatty acids and it's hydrogenated oils and it's the wrong kind of fat. Um, so the quality of the fat matters too and the source of it matters for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point because like fried foods can easily for sure add a lot of cal- calories with no nutritional value. Um, and I just want to make a comment here because I, because I said the word overeating, I think even that is grossly misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I'm hesitant to throw out any numbers, but like for, I think for the minimum you need like 1800 calories and that's like a minimum for a small person who's not that active. And I think that's just a higher number than people think they need to be at to again look a certain way um you need your body to function well or the weight loss is not gonna stick like it's just too stressful on your body it deregulates other things well yeah this this kind of gets into my next question like the side effects of under eating Mm -hmm. or other restrictive diets i know you kind of talked about that in terms of low carbohydrate, but how about just under eating in general? Yeah. Um, to me, and this might be a little bit more rudimentary than the actual situation, but if we're under eating, that's the same thing as restricting an individual food group and missing the nutrients. But 
you're missing nutrients across the board because now you're missing it in protein, carb, and fat. And all of those have essential functions in the body. So under eating creates a stressed environment, which increases cortisol, dysregulates blood sugar, impairs digestion. And then you're just making a environment that's again, really susceptible to chronic illness, to catching pathogens. I feel like once you start under eating and like, I'm not saying this to scare people, I feel like things just start, like the wheels just start falling off, honestly, because it can, it can manifest as so many different things. If you're not getting the, a balanced, um, carbohydrate and fat in your meals, you're going to have painful periods and you're going to have period symptoms. And then once you have that, then you start having issues with your other hormones and then you start having issues with stress. And then you have started, it's just no matter where it is, no matter what nutrients missing or calories are missing in general, the wheels start falling off. Our bodies were not made to be undernourished. And if you're just going to keep starving yourself, you're not going to be able to show up the way you want to show up. It under eating leads to so many nutrient deficiencies across the board that it, it needs to be like a minimum, I think, for a person with any responsibility, 2,200 calories. Like if I had to put a number on it and I don't, I don't like putting numbers on it either because it's so bio-individual. But I'm just, I can't think of a situation where I'd, I would be like, yeah, that's okay to, to do under 2,000. I mean, like unless we're a child. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am totally yeah. with you there. Yeah. And people like romanticize this idea of burning calories. I remember somebody told me recently like, oh, doesn't drinking ice cold water make you burn more calories? Oh my God. And I thought about that for a minute and I was like, yeah, so does cutting yourself. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's... um it's not not necessarily a good thing to per, burn calories. Like like you said, everything burns calories. Uh, you don't want to put your body in a situation where it's having to do extra work unnecessarily just for that idea. Yeah. So let's go into exercise a little bit because I think that's something that gets wrapped up in this idea of weight loss. Like if you're not trying to lose weight or lose fat, then you don't really need to exercise. I'm just trying to think of a scenario where that would work. I I honestly can't think. And so like, let well, let's talk about exercise first. I, there's a difference like going and doing an orange theory workout and going for a walk. Those are two different workouts. They're both exercise though. I guess if you're not trying to lose weight, but you still want to exercise, like, yeah, you should absolutely still be going on walks and you should still be doing, I would say body weight exercises at least because, and like the intensity doesn't need to be high. It can be low intensity. I mean, just speaking from personal experience right now, I could not survive a high intensity workout right now with just how much I'm working with my chronic illness. That's just not going to be a realistic scenario for me where it's going, it's going to make me feel good. I would literally feel like garbage afterwards. So like right now, yeah, it's a lot of walking. It's a lot of, you know, 10 sets of five bodyweight squats or just making sure I'm moving at all because I know I need to. I can't think of a scenario where you would not want to exercise unless you were injured in some way. 
Yeah, there's just so many benefits to exercise that yeah. have nothing to do with your weight. Yeah, um, like and brain health. And um, I mean, gosh, I, I'm just someone and I struggle with depression and anxiety. So this is, again, coming from personal experience. If I don't get out the house, even to just walk around the block, I it significantly affects the next few days. Like I feel it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I have days where walking around the block right now is a lot for me. I'm not like, just because I know about health, I don't think I'm like the perfect picture of health right now because I'm battling parasites and heavy metals and, um, candida yeast. So like, there's a lot of stress already on my body, but going and doing a a hit workout to try to lose weight or, just using exercise as a way to lose weight right now just isn't feasible. That's just going to make it worse. It's just going to stress my body out more. And at the same token, not exercising is going to be stressful in a whole different way. So I just can't think of any scenario where I would be like, no, you shouldn't exercise unless you were literally injured. Yeah. It's funny because under exercising is a stressor on the body, but so is over exercising. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. Um, like you definitely need to get movement for your muscles, for your thyroid, just like all these things. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of the same way, like with the high intensity workouts, I just feel like I do have a lot of stressors on my body with breastfeeding and still waking up at night. Like if I get bad sleep, I cancel my workout and, it's not something I want to be like, yeah, I got two hours of sleep and I still worked out twice today. Like I'm, that's not something I want to be wearing on my shoulder and proud of. Like it's, I I want to let my body rest with that time if I didn't sleep. So, um, yeah, if you're exhausted, maybe it is something to listen to. Maybe you could go out for a walk and change up that, exercise. I know that doesn't work out great for like signing up for classes and canceling at the last minute, but um, usually you can find something that works. And if like I had a personal trainer and I would just tell her like, Hey, let's work on mobility today uh, because I wasn't going to cancel at the last minute. But um, I, I think it's more important to listen to your body than to like get through one more workout. Uh, and yeah. it'll, it'll show in your health, but it'll also probably show up in your, like whatever fat loss journey you're on tuning into these stressors, reducing stress overall. Like we've all heard about the effects of cortisol. So yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a benefit to <laughs> like putting your body under more stress than it needs either. Yeah. And I, so luckily, I mean, when I was working in gyms, I think nutrition wise, it wasn't really there for sure. I feel, I feel like I explained why, but exercise wise, I feel like the gyms I worked at, they knew what was up. And like, I would show up to an early morning run or something and like, wouldn't be able to hit paces and wouldn't be able, or wouldn't be able to lift a number that's like 80% or 70%. And the coaches would be like, Hey, you probably like, how was your sleep? How was this? How was this? You probably need to just chill today and not try to push yourself. So like, it's the same kind of token. Like I think when we're talking about willpower, okay, well, if you show up for a workout that you like love to do, but you're not hitting a certain number, you're not hitting this, we can easily fall into, well, I just have to try harder. I just have to work my way through it. I just have to, you know, pull myself up 
and, and keep going. And it's like, no, your body's failing to perform for a reason. It's stressed out already. And this stress exercise is stress. It can be good stress or it can be really bad. So it just, it totally depends and it's going to vary day to day. And I think we treat it as if I don't have a workout at a hundred percent, well, then I need to go do another one or I didn't burn enough calories. So I need to go do another one or I'm going to, I need to try harder tomorrow to work off the popcorn I ate today. And like, that's, that's just a negative cycle that we're starting with that too. Yeah. Any training program has rest days and they're very important. Like if you're an athlete, but if you're just a person who's exercising, rest days are really important too. Probably they really say three is kind of that number for intense workouts per week. And then just like walking a ton. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Walking is so underrated. It's like the best thing ever. Yeah, I think there's like so many benefits, especially if you're getting outside and you're like de-stressing and that's something, yeah, I I just have to keep reminding myself is like so wonderful for me, like getting after the kids are in bed, like taking that walk. So would you be willing to share about being in this nutrition space and maybe still being on somewhat of a a weight loss journey or off of a weight loss journey or whatever, whatever place in your journey you're at? Yeah. It's kind of a complicated question because it's not like I don't have days where I don't struggle and I don't, I still have days where, you know, I pick something out from last year to wear and it's not fitting or, um, I feel like I'm just not comfortable with how I look some days. And like, that's, I'm not going to pretend those aren't struggles for me because they are. However, right now with everything that I am working through with the chronic illness, with the parasites, the heavy metal exposure, that to me, and, and it's a constant like daily mind shift, addressing that has to be more important to me than the size of my genes or the number on the scale. And it's hard when this is what you do for a living and you're like, I'm telling other people how to live. And I know that they see me and maybe I look different than how they would expect a health expert to look when they're talking about health and they're talking about weight and they're talking about body image. And I have my days, you know, I have my days where that's really hard and I'm self-conscious and I have my days where I feel really great and comfortable in my skin. And I want the goal with that is not to be perfect. Cause I don't think that's going to be an ex it's just not realistic. I'm never going to be perfect, but to have more days where I'm feeling great and comfortable in my skin because of who I am and not what I look like and being confident in my knowledge, no matter where I am in my journey. Um, because we're not, we're not always going to be a hundred percent healthy. That's just not life. Like you have moms listening to this podcast who have had babies or are pregnant or about to have babies to, to expect that you're going to have this baby and then be back into your old genes immediately and back into feeling great. Like, I just don't think that I'm, I haven't had kids, so not personal experience, but I don't think that's realistic. And I think you touch on that a lot, but 
that doesn't mean that you can't nourish your body and that you can't be in on your own journey and you're going to get there at a different time than other people will. And that's okay. Um, I think for me, the big thing is not focusing on and not like idolizing a number because it doesn't matter if I get to a weight, a certain weight or not, if I'm still sick and if I'm still struggling and I'm still nutrient deficient or if my digestion sucks or if I'm not ovulating, like the, the weight just doesn't matter to me that much when I, I think about the other things that I could be risking to pursue a weight. Thank you so much for sharing that because I do feel like it's sometimes we feel like we can't even talk about it or we think we're supposed to just be okay with it all the time if we're embracing body positivity. And I really wanted to put this out in the open that, um, because honestly, I feel the same way. I'm six months postpartum with my second baby and it's, I feel like it's hard for me to talk about postpartum nutrition because I haven't lost the baby weight. And there's so many people out there online who are beach body coaches or whatever else saying, look at my program. I can get you to even thinner than you were before you had your baby within six weeks. And so whatever it might be. And I'm like, well, why would people want to listen to me if I'm, if I haven't lost that weight? And it, it, feels like this thing that's just like out there um, that we can't talk about or that we want to pretend isn't there. Like sometimes, some days I look at myself and I do want to lose weight. And I did have a friend that asked me this recently, like, oh, are you trying to, do you have a weight loss goal basically? And I right away said no. But then I thought about it more and I'm like, well, yeah, no, no, I don't because my main goal right now is I think I want to have a third kid and pregnancy is so depleting on your body, breastfeeding, like all these things. So right now my focus is rebuild and I just don't need to think about the weight loss piece like if it comes off great, I want to I want to give myself the right inputs, like exercise, eat well, like feel really nourished. And if the weight comes off at some point, great. If it doesn't, great. Um but really with my son, I breastfed him for 14 months and then after I stopped, I dropped 25 pounds like within a month. Like <laughs> so there's so much going on hormonally that you can't judge somebody's health by the way their body looks. Um yeah. But I think also sure. I just wanted to say that it is normal to look in the mirror some days and be like, "Oh, I wish I looked Absolutely. different." And then have to bring yourself back to your other goals. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I, just for comparison too, I, when I was my thinnest, I was my sickest. Knowing what I know now, I'm like, I can't go back. And like, if any person listening to this, like, if this sounds crazy to you, I've been there and I understand it because I remember hearing people say it's not worth it. And I didn't believe them. And I I was like, oh yeah, you think it's not worth it, but like, whatever. Um, it's not, it, it just isn't. And I got to this point where I was like, if I felt great 
and I was the same weight I am now, would I still be okay with who I am as a person? Like, would I still be okay? Would I still be happy? Would I still be content? And it's like, we chase a weight and we wait to get there. And then it's like, all of a sudden we get to this weight and everything in life is going to be perfect. That's not how it works. Like we're putting our happiness on a number on the scale that even if we get there, it's not going to change. If it's not going to change like circumstances of your life because you're one pound lighter or you're 10 pounds lighter, that doesn't change anything. I'm exposed to a lot of toxins right now. And and that's what I'm working on. And I'm trying to heal digestion and all these things. My body gained weight as a survival mechanism. No, I loved that you touched on that. um, Because it might be, even if you want to promote body positivity, if you are extremely overweight, and you're not, and you don't have other health goals, it might be a good thing to look into that. Like, why is your body holding on to this weight? And fix that. Don't don't try to just like fix the, the end result, but like it might be a signal that something's going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I and two, just one more thing. This is not an overnight thing. So like anything that promises 14 days and you lose this min- much weight and 30 days or not even 90 days, like 90 days in the grand scheme of your life is like a blink of an eye. So like completely changing your body in three months is really, really hard. Is it impossible? No, but it's really hard and it takes a lot of work. And most 90 day programs are actually more stressful than they are supporting your body. This is a long-term, you're in this for the long run commitment and it can be overwhelming and that's okay to feel that way. That is valid. But that's why working with a practitioner is like the best thing ever. Even if you are a practitioner, I recommend working with one because putting it all on your plate while you're also carrying the weight for other people and your clients is hard. It's a lot of work. So like being able to be someone else's client is has been fantastic for me. Um, just mentally knowing that I can be supporting my body without being stressed out about making all the decisions and having someone else's eye on it and getting feedback from someone else that's in my field. But it's a long month. It's a, it's a several month process. I mean, a a year of foundations and now I'm into a six to eight month protocol for all the things that I'm, I'm working on. So it's a lifestyle change for sure. Yeah. Well, this was so much good information. This is like exactly what I was hoping we would get into. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, of course. Can you share where people can find you? Yes. Um, So I am mainly on Instagram um, at Stripe Wellness, Stripe, S-T-R-I-P-E, Wellness. Um, I hang out on Instagram. I like to talk on stories a lot. If you like have questions or want to reach out to me, um, you can DM me and you can also email me Tori at stripewellness.com. Um, yeah, that's where you can find me, I guess. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on and you can find me, Michelle at michelletaggy.com and at michelletaggy.nutrition on Instagram. So thanks so much everybody. And I'll talk to you next week.